listening to Right Off The Bus. And we are back, Pat, on Wednesday, February 24th. We got episode nine of Right Off The Bus. Coming to you, Pat. Very excited to talk about a lot going on in the sports world. The NBA is full of drama. Carson Wentz gets traded to the Colts. There's a lot going on. But first, not much going on for me, Pat. My world of sports has been sad lately. Liverpool with another embarrassing loss, four in a row. First time they've lost four in a row at home since 1923. So not really great. Duke, a little bit on the rise. Celtics still not playing well. Patriots don't have a quarterback. And the Red Sox trade everyone away. So I don't have much going on. I'm, I'm finally back out into the world, which has been fantastic. Got to go work a couple of shifts at my part-time job, which I was excited about. Got to go to the rock gym finally a couple times, which I haven't gotten to do in a few months. Been keeping up with my runs. But other than that, Pat, I don't got a lot going on. My life's, my life's pretty boring right now. It's, uh, yeah, you, it's, had a, <laughs> you had a big loss for Duke, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. And then, you know, Celtics, just what can we say about the Celtics? They blew that 24-point lead against the uh, the Pelicans, was it? Yeah, that was that was Biggest rough. comeback so, ever for the Pelicans. Yeah, and, you Franchise know. Franchise history. <laughs> Kemba's keeping a positive mentality. We'll have to see what happens, though. I'm nervous. Ugh. I'm nervous about the rest of the season. But, yeah, I mean, not much going on for me either. Job hunting. But uh, I will say we've been working on a website, me and Chandler together. So we're working on a website for the podcast. We'll have a – the homepage, we'll have our bio, we'll have a, a link to the most recent podcast, we'll have an entire podcast page, you can click on any episode you want, it'll bring you to your favorite platform, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, so we're going to have that together, we're also going to be writing a little bit, we're going to write yep. some articles about our favorite things, whether it's, uh, you know, big news in MLB, the NFL, uh, NHL, I, me and Chandler don't know hockey, so we're probably avoiding <laughs> that for now, at least, maybe we'll Maybe we'll read up, but uh, yeah, UFC. So we're going to be writing up as well. We'll probably share that. Uh, you'll be able to click on our website, get to any podcast you want, read any of our write-ups that you want. So that's something that's big uh, coming soon. We're hoping to launch, you know, in a couple weeks here. So we'll see when that comes up. But yeah, we're excited for that. Uh, in the sports world, Chandler, I mean, I got UFC coming up like six straight Saturdays. So I'll be booked <laughs> up. I'll be booked up solid on Saturday nights. That'll be my schedule. Your happy uh, place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like I said, um, we don't talk hockey, but what about that Lake Tahoe game, Chandler? I mean, those were those were amazing. The view of like there was that Bruins guy who had the slap shot from like almost the blue line. Uh, from the right side of the ice and it was like you just had the mountains in the background I couldn't believe it I was like why don't they do this all the time but I I guess it makes sense uh I guess it makes sense that they don't do it all the time (laughs) I was just gonna say it makes me think of some of those soccer stadiums in like Spain and some places in South America where you have these just you know, incredible mountains and sunsets in the background. You think of like Camp Nou and Barcelona and just some of those incredible stadiums. That's what you think with the Lake Tahoe games. I mean, that landscape in the background, we, we need to do that for every game, every single yeah, game. Well, yeah, it was amazing. But I was going to say, I guess I understand why they don't do it every time because, you know, they had the ice melting and they had to delay the game till nighttime so the ice could refreeze. So it's like, Thinking about a game in Nevada, I don't. It's kind of tough. I mean, maybe you'd have to switch that to New England. I mean, there's plenty of landscapes in New England you could have as a back shot. I mean, you could go up, you could go like upstate New York. You could go up to. I'm trying to think of a 
lakes up there. I don't know. My brother goes to a lake up there. I'm sure you could do something up there. It was beautiful. I'm sure views. up in Maine, somewhere up in Acadia, yeah, you know, there'd be some yeah. awesome spots up in Vermont. Like, yeah, actually, yeah. Maine, Maine and Vermont would probably be the ideal. So maybe they'll look there in the future. So uh, the sun won't be melting it because regardless of the sun being out, it stays cold as all hell up here in New England. So. <laughs> <laughs> one one other thing that happened before we jump into it, I got on the uh, the King and the Sting podcast, <laughs> which I know you saw. And I throw on my Instagram story. If anyone wants to check it out, it's on my uh, story highlights on Instagram. So Theo Vaughn and Brendan Shaw have a podcast, and uh, I submitted and I got on. And yeah, they uh, they had guest Joe Coy on. He roasted me pretty good, so that was that was pretty fun. That was the highlight of my week. So anyone want to check that out, you can, it's pretty good. It'll probably make you laugh, especially if you know me, because uh, I think it's just that much funnier if you know me. Uh, that was fantastic. When you, I, I was telling you before the show, but when you sent that dude, I was cracking up watching it. And then I watched it on your story and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know why these guys are coming at my man Pat so hard, but I guess you told me that's what they do. And that's kind of their vibe over there. That yeah. That, well, that was the hope. Yeah. When I submitted, it's like, I was watching the episode too, when it premiered and I was like, up to that point, they hadn't roasted anybody. And I knew I was going to be on and I was like, damn, I was like, this ain't even going to be funny. And then sure enough, I got on. I was like the first person that they made fun of, which I was looking forward to that was the whole point of submitting so it was good just just you know we're gonna have to be careful and make sure shane or someone else isn't calling you benjamin button or anything like that from here on out we're gonna have to make sure that none of that sticks (laughs) (laughs) benjamin button vibes yeah All right, Pat. So, you know, we, we had a decent week, you know, we wish we had more going on, but the NFL had a lot going on and it's only been week two, you know, since the Super Bowl ended. So week two of the off season and we got some drama. We got what we were looking for. We got the Carson Wentz straight to the Indianapolis Colts. Now the Colts traded a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 22 2022 second round pick. Now there's a couple different ways that this can turn into a first round pick. You know, if Wentz plays 75% of the Colts offensive snaps, it turns into a first rounder. Then also if he plays 70% of the snaps and the Colts reach the playoffs. And also the Eagles are taking the largest dead salary cap hit in NFL history for a single player, $33.8 million, $33.8 million for a player that is not on your team. It is, it was a weird trade, you know, after the Goff and Stafford trade, we were kind of wondering what is the market going to be for quarterbacks? What will the price for a guy like Wentz be? We figured it out. What do you think about this trade, Pat? Who do you think won this trade between the Eagles and the Colts? And uh, what what are you expecting from Carson Wentz this season? Yeah, it's tough because I do see it as a win-win for both sides. I mean, the Eagles can move forward with Jalen Hurts, but that – that cap space, I mean, that's going to be tough. It really shows how little they wanted Wentz on their team. I mean, they were really trying to move on from him. I've heard that there were problems in the locker room. I mean, especially with the QB situation, you can understand the guy's not going to be happy. I, you know, I've heard rumors that there's just been problems with Wentz. So I I feel like he'll be different when he goes to the Colts. I feel like he's going to thrive in a different environment, especially just the way things have been trending. I mean, who knows if he ever got over just the whole thing that happened with the Super Bowl. I mean, Nick Foles came in and won the Super Bowl, and he wasn't even a part of it. So, And that was his biggest season, too. Wentz led them all the way there, and then he didn't even get the Super Bowl ring. I mean, he got it because he was on the team, but he didn't you right. know, outright earn it. So we'll see with that. But, the yeah, I don't know what the Eagles are going to do with that cap space. I mean, how long does that last? Is that just for the season? Do they have any it's, more seasons after it's this? It's the that, season, yep. 
Yeah, so for this season, I mean, the Eagles are struggling at receiver as it is. I, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of acquiring receivers. I think it's going to be another down year for the Eagles. But I would say looking ahead, it was a it was a smart move for them. I think it's the only move that could have been done. I wouldn't have seen Wentz going anywhere else for more value, to be honest. And going to the Colts, it made a lot of sense because obviously the Colts just had Phillip Rivers. He's gone now. He retired. So they're going to have Wentz. And I do think for the Colts, I mean, they have a QB who, if handled the right way and he stays healthy, I think he could turn his career around in Indianapolis. I don't see any reason why they can't do it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And you think about what does a struggling quarterback need? What do you want to give a guy that has struggled in the NFL and can't find his way? You want a really solid offensive line, which the Indianapolis Colts have, and they maybe have the best lineman in football in Quentin Nelson. That guy is so much fun to watch. If you never watch Brian Balding or Jeff Schwartz break down offensive line play, go follow them on Twitter and Instagram, man, because it is fantastic to watch Quentin Nelson play but you want a good offensive line you want a good running game and Pat I know you've talked about it a little bit they have some very solid running backs in Indianapolis it's a very good running back group there you know when you look at guys like Marlon Mack and some of the other people there so I think it's a really solid running game they don't have a number one receiver T.Y. Hilton isn't that guy and he could be leaving this offseason but they have a bunch of very solid offensive skill players when it comes to tight ends and wide receivers. So they are solid there. Their defense is really good. Their coaching staff is good. They've been winning with different guys. They've won with Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers and a revolving door since Andrew Luck left, who I saw this tweet too the other day. Andrew Luck is only three years older than Carson Wentz. Isn't that crazy, dude? Like, Luck should be the quarterback of this team. That is wild. I feel like I feel like Luck's already been gone for so long. It's weird to think yeah. about that he was even there in the first place. It feels like he played like five years ago, but I know it was, you know, more recent than that. And like you said, I love the committee back, especially for this team. You know, the Ravens do it year in, year out. We're kind of leaning more towards J.K. Dobbins now. Mark Ingram's gone. But for the Colts, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Marlon Mack, those are three guys that when you're rotating the ball in and out, it's going to be just weapon after weapon that they can use. And like you said, the receiver, it's, I think the receiver spot is going to be the biggest question of the year for them. I think they're going to have to spend money. I know they have other positions they want to bolster. But if they don't re-sign T.Y. Hilton, I mean, who's your number one receiver? It's Michael Pittman Jr. It's like the Colts went 11-5 and five last year, and I see no reason why they can't do that again this year if they sign a big-name wide receiver or they re-sign T.Y. Hilton. Like you said, they have other great position players, especially a tight end. I think Jack Doyle could have a big bounce-back season. I think Carson Wentz would know how to utilize him. He utilized Zach Ertz, maybe not so much last season, but – I think he would do a great job utilizing Jack Doyle. I think Mo Ali Cox at tight end as well. I think they're going to kind of split targets, split snaps. So at tight end, I think they're all set. But at the receiver slot, yeah, I, I don't know where T.Y. Hilton will end up if he doesn't resign with the Colts. I mean, he's been at the Colts for so long, he might want to. And he might be excited that they're signing a new QB that they're going to try to move forward with. But the, uh, the Colts are going to have to do something at receiver. So that, that's the only way I can see them going, you know, 11-5 and five again, which it's possible. I don't see them doing it again. I think that was overachieving last season. But, yeah, we'll see with the Colts. Yeah, and it's like, can a Wentz be better than 37-year-old Phillip Rivers? You know, that's what you have to do. You have to match that output. And Rivers is a baller, man. He's fun to watch. But Wentz at his peak should be better than Phillip Rivers was last year. And 
it's going to be interesting. Frank Reich's the coach there. You know, he's Wentz's old offensive coordinator in Philly. He's the one where, you know, Wentz would have won an MVP if he didn't, you know, get hurt for the last two games. And then, Pat, obviously we had a little technical difficulty over here on my end. So may have cut a little bit of audio out. We're going to see what happens. But I was talking about how Frank Reich being the coach of the Indianapolis Colts is going to be really big for Carson Wentz because this was his offensive coordinator when he played the best football of his career in 2017 when he was leading this team to the playoffs before he got hurt. Wentz was going to win MVP that season before he missed the last two games. Brady was lucky to win MVP. Obviously, New England fan through and through, loved Tom Brady. He wouldn't have won MVP that year if Wentz played those last two games. He was able to catch up. Then obviously Foles comes in and goes and wins the Super Bowl. But Reich was his guy. So Frank Reich, you need to go sit down with Carson Wentz, watch that 2017 tape, and say, this is why I traded for you. This is why I gave up multiple picks for you. This, this is what we want to see, Carson. You need to be that guy because his mentality was so shifted and so broken over the past year or two. And Obviously, now you're traded away. They say, no, we're going to go with Jalen Hurts. We're going to go with that guy who had to transfer away from Alabama. And then second-round pick, he was your backup. No, this is the guy now. So, And now Jalen Hurts, this is your job in Philadelphia. So both of these guys, they're given a brand-new situation where they're given the keys to the kingdom and said, go prove it. And I think this is Carson Wentz's last chance in the NFL to be a starting quarterback. He has two years with the Colts on his contract left, and they're taking all the money outside of that dead cap hit. But if Wentz doesn't succeed here, he's a backup for however long he wants to play in the NFL. If this guy can't figure it out with a good offensive line and good coaching staff and a really solid defense led by guys like Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner, if you can't figure it out, Wentz, you're done in the NFL, man. You are a backup, which would be hard to see because this guy was really, really good. And you think, you know, the second pick in that 2016 draft after Jared Goff, and look, now the one and two picks both traded this offseason, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, this is your city now, Wentz. You need to go earn it. You need to go win and prove yourself in this league. And the same goes for Jalen Hurts, like I said. Even though it's only his second year in the league, Jalen, this is your team now, man. All the chips pushed to the center of the table. This is this is what it is. This is what you wanted. So I hope that both of these guys can uh, go out and show what they're capable of because they are two franchise quarterbacks now, you know, with the keys to the kingdom, and they need to go prove themselves. I think you're right. I think this is the time for Wentz to, you know, it's really, it is do or die for him. But I think also it goes into the fact that I said it was a win-win for both teams. I think it was a win-win for both quarterbacks as well. Because I think Wentz, mm. he's going to have a ship on his shoulder. He's going to have a point to prove. He's going to a new environment. He's going to want to succeed. Like you said, he's got the same offensive coordinator that he once had. Maybe the chemistry is still there. I think that he's going to do well in Indianapolis. You know, maybe they don't have an amazing season, but I certainly don't think, you know, he's going to have a horrible season. I think a big part of their offseason is going to be working on figuring out how he can work within the offense, building the offense more around him, or maybe they'll build him into the system they have. I'm not sure yet. We'll see. But with, with Wentz, he's going to have to work with his receiver core. They're going to have to get the chemistry there. But I think that over the next seasons to come, I, th I don't think he's going to end up as a career backup. I truly don't. I think Indianapolis is going to be a new, a new environment for him that he can thrive in. And the same goes for Jalen Hurts. He's stepping into the starting spot. I think regardless of the cap hit this year, regardless of having minimal receiver, uh, minimal receiving options, Jalen Hurts is going to be 
I, th- I think he's going to be the quarterback of the future in Philadelphia, at least for the foreseeable future. I, I think Hertz will succeed in Philly. So I, again, I think it is a win-win for both franchises and uh, we'll see what happens. But the biggest thing I wanted to talk about, you know, for, uh, for the Colts is that the notable free agent receivers, I know we're going to get into some other free agents, but for the Colts, uh, what I'm thinking is if they, if they recent, if they resign, T.Y. Hilton, I think they're still going to have to go get another cheaper option because, again, at that point, it's just T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman Jr., and then after that, it really kind of falls off. So I'm thinking for cheaper options, some of the big free agent receivers out there, you have a guy like Keelan Cole coming off the Jaguars, who I think would be a great role player there. You have Curtis Samuel, who I think would be a good cheap uh, cheap option as well. I think Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed was getting paid $6 million at the Ravens. Uh, that was his most recent contract. But I don't think you're going to have to pay him that same amount of money. I mean, he's aged two or three years since that signing. And I think with the Colts, if they were looking for a cheaper option, a guy like Willie Sneed would make a lot of sense. And if they don't, see, uh, if they don't sign T.Y. Hilton, you have guys like Marvin Jones, Allen Robinson, A.J. Green. Those are the biggest names. I mean, we have Chris Godwin. So if they're looking to make a splash and spend a lot of their money at the receiver spot and use most of their money towards a great receiver, someone to replace T.Y. Hilton, which I think, let's be honest, if they don't re-sign T.Y. Hilton, they're going to have to because I don't know who else you have besides the tight end spots of Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox. Michael Pittman Jr. can't be your number one receiver. You can't bring in a QB like Carson Wentz and expect him to turn his season around, or rather his career, and you have no receivers for him to throw to. So they would be a huge, you know, uh, running it would be kind of a ground and pound running team if they can't do that. They would have to use the committee that they have set up there. So I would say, yeah, Marvin Jones would make a lot of sense there. Allen Robinson would make a ton of sense. And, you know, A.J. Green, he hasn't been healthy as of late. And uh, I think A.J. could use a change of scenery from Cincinnati. Absolutely. And Will Fuller is another receiver that pops into mind. He suspended the first, I think, six games of next season or maybe – the first five because he served a one-game suspension to end the season for the Texans. But Will Fuller would be another guy where, you know, he's going to end up being decently cheaper because of the fact that he's suspended and had that problem. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of value guys that they would need uh, or the Colts could potentially need. And the Eagles are in the same boat. They just cut Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson to save some money. So who's Jalen Hurts throwing the ball to? And Yeah, we'll see what happens because Jalen Hurts is also in a city where if you are not performing, the fans want you gone in a second, man. Yeah, the Philly fans are ruthless. It's – yeah, I don't know. but It's weird. They're both going to teams where, like, the receiving core is questionable, and I don't know – the Eagles are really desperate over the receiver spot. I mean, yes. poor Jalen Hurts. I mean, he's going to have to make things happen. He's, I bet, I mean, Zach Hurts is going to have to have a monster season next year. But that's the thing. He's going to be, he's going to be covered on every receiving play because that's, again, who are they throwing to? So they're either going to have to draft someone spectacular. Uh, I think they'll have a pretty high draft pick because they had a pretty bad year last year. So yeah. they might be able to get someone. I don't know if they're going to use their number one pick on a receiver, though or first round pick, not number one pick, but you, you know what I mean? These are two teams that, I don't know. It's going to be a big question mark. Again, this is the craziness of this NFL offseason going into next year. I don't know what's going to happen this offseason. The NFL is going to look a lot different next year. This is going to be the craziest NFL offseason ever, in my opinion. The quarterback movement, the uh, draft day trades, everything going on. 
J.J. Watt's headed out, man. Hunter Henry's headed out, man. Uh, Chris God, the list goes on, Pat. So let's get into some of these free agents. Uh, one guy that I want to start with, I just mentioned, Chris Godwin. This guy, I think he needs to leave Tampa Bay. He's had a solid career there so far, but you're not going to get the money that you want to get as a legit number one. And I don't know if Godwin's the number one. He's kind of like a 1B. Like, he's very, very good, but I don't know if yeah, he has a takeover mentality. But mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough money for him in Tampa Bay with all the guys that they're going to have to re-sign. They're going to be signing a lot of vets who just want to win rings. But I think Godwin needs to go lock down a long-term deal. And I'm not just saying it because you're a Ravens fan. I'd love to see this dude in Baltimore. They don't have a big physical receiver outside of Mark Andrews, who's a tight end. So you go get that big physical guy. You let Hollywood move into the slot. You keep that running game going strong, but you give Lamar a security blanket. Godwin has been phenomenal in his career. So I would love to see him get to play with Lamar and elevate Lamar. That's the kind of guy that can elevate a quarterback. You're elevating Hollywood Brown. You're elevating Mark Andrews, especially in the red zone, because Andrews is the only red zone receiving threat on the Ravens right now. So, you know, you're going to have to look to replace a guy like Willie Sneed. You're going to have to look to replace some guys. Give me Chris Godwin. I think that's where the Ravens need to spend their money this offseason. Yeah, and it's like, what's, you know, what's keeping Godwin in Tampa Bay if he were to re-sign there? Because he just got a ring, so he kind of got what he was looking for, at least in this point in his career. And now I think now that he's got a ring, he probably wants to, you know, obviously go win a ring somewhere else, but he's going to want to be that number one guy. I mean, he's never going to be the number one guy in Tampa Bay. They have Mike Evans. I don't think he'll ever surpass Mike Evans as Tom Brady's favorite option as Bruce Arians' favorite option, or as the number one guy there. But, you know, like you said, where he would be a definite number one guy <laughs> is Baltimore. Because, yep. I, I mean, let's, Juju would be a number one guy in Baltimore. I mean, I love Hollywood Brown. I love him. But he's just not a number one receiver. A slot guy, for sure. A number two, excellent. Yeah, we, we I love Hollywood Brown. And I think Chris Godwin and Marquise Brown – would complement each other very well. I think those those two receivers would go great together. I think, like you said, Lamar would have another weapon. Godwin would be a, a crazy deep threat like we've never had, really. I mean, Hollywood Brown, again, he, he is a deep threat, but only if he has the breakaways the breakaway lane that he needs it's like him in the slot it's going to be like a like a Jarvis Landry like it's going to be way better for him I think it's going to work out better I think Lamar's uh, passing percentage will go up I think it's just because it's going to make more sense I think Mark Andrews Marquise Brown Chris Godwin I wish we could have had Willie Sneed back I just love Willie Sneed loving him Uh, ever since we got him from uh, I believe we got him from the Saints back in you know like three years ago so Chris Godwin, I think he makes a lot of sense on the Ravens. Like we said earlier, I mean, maybe he'll go to the Colts uh, if they don't sign T.Y. Hilton. It could be – but I don't think the Colts are going to splash money for – I mean, the Colts may splash money for a receiver, but I don't think they, they're they going to give Godwin anywhere close to what he'd want. But Baltimore can afford it. I, I think the Ravens, uh, the Ravens could afford Godwin. I think it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, if the Colts are going to splash on a wide receiver, it's going to be T.Y. Hilton, it kind of feels exactly. like, right? Like, yep. if they're going to pay someone what they're worth, it's going to be T.Y. And if not, hey, maybe they go and try to make one of those big moves. Maybe the Patriots sweep in and say, hey, we'll make you a number one. You know, we have the money to do it. Probably not, like we talked about last week, not really a splash team. But another receiver that you had mentioned, Pat, Juju, man. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Juju back with Pittsburgh. I wouldn't be surprised to see a franchise tag hit this guy for one more year. I really wouldn't. But I could also see the Jets 
giving him a bunch of money, like much like a Le'Veon Bell deal, you know, not, not quite as much money in that running back market was very weird at the time when he left Pittsburgh and set that year out. But I think that Juju could get a little bit overpaid by the New York Jets. And look, the Jets need skill talent. Robert Sala has done a great job of building a fantastic coaching staff. Now he needs to go out and get some of those players that can be game changers. And I think Juju has that potential. Juju's probably not a number one at the end of the day, but much like Chris Godwin, he can be that one B. He can be that really, really great number two option. And I would like to see him get paid. I'd like to see him get a decent check and go play with a young quarterback. Whether, whether it's the kid from BYU, Zach Wilson, whether it's Sam Darnold, whether it's Deshaun Watson, he's going to be playing with a young quarterback and he has the ability to elevate guys like that. I don't really think Pittsburgh's the place to be, man. I really don't anymore. I kind of think Pitt is going to be on a downhill slope. And as a Ravens fan, I'm sure you'd love to see that. But with, with, without Big Ben, man, I, I just don't really know where this team goes. I mean, how do you pick somewhere – you know, 24, 25 and go get a quarterback. You don't. And Mason Rudolph is not that guy. So we'll see what happens with the pit, but I'd like to see uh, Juju leave and I'd like to see him on the New York jets. That was our big thing, right. With, uh, with why like the JJ Watt trade to Pittsburgh wouldn't make sense. Cause we don't know, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, yeah, he wants to play with his two brothers, but we don't know what's going to happen with Pittsburgh or big Ben, the big Ben's, ancient at this point and he's just always hurt there's always something going on he he's throwing too many picks I don't know he's gonna be done soon I I just don't see it yeah for Juju I mean he might end up being one of the most overpaid receivers that that we've seen like if he goes to the Jets and they want to pay him big money I mean that's that's good for them like you said they're desperate for skilled positions skilled players because they just they have nothing at this point I mean they have what like Robbie Anderson is that their their best receivers Robbie Jameson Crowder (laughs) yeah all right yeah Jameson Crowder's fair those guys are number threes that's the problem yeah (laughs) and again I don't think Juju's a number one I think a big reason why he thrived in Pittsburgh was when they had Antonio Brown like that first season where he blew up was because they have Antonio Brown getting double covered and nobody's really paying attention to Juju and he proved that, you know, he can be a big playmaker, but I just don't see him as a number one. I mean, my buddy Dan says this all the time. It's like, Juju's a great receiver. I, th- I think he's a great number two, but I think he needs another guy to be kind of drawing attention away from him, like Antonio Brown was in Pittsburgh. So it, it, if he goes to the Jets, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to have a great season. I think they're going to focus on him. But maybe if they have Robbie Anderson, Jameson Crowder, and Juju, it's kind of like a weird mix where like it's like a two, a three, and another three type of level receiver. That might spread out the offense. It might help Darnold or whoever ends up at quarterback there. I don't know what's going to happen. I think they might end up holding on to Darnold for now since they lost out on that number one overall pick for Trevor Lawrence. But yeah, Juju would make sense on the Jets, and I think, you know, they would be willing to pay him. So I don't see why Juju wouldn't want to go there, and he'll probably get the entire locker room doing TikTok <laughs> dances up in up at uh, MetLife. So I'm hey, sure media they would capital of the world. Media yeah, capital exactly, of the world yeah. sounds like the place that Juju should be. Um, so just sticking with receivers real quick, Allen Robinson, too, playing with the Bears. Get this guy out of Chicago. Get this guy a quarterback. Between Jacksonville and Chicago, this guy hasn't had a quarterback to play with in his NFL career yet, it feels like. So I want to see the Packers go get somebody, man. Go get Aaron Rodgers someone 
also shout out Aaron Rodgers. He, uh, we just found out he got engaged. I'm not going to pretend to know anything else about it, but shout out Aaron Rodgers. Congratulations <laughs> from the right off the bus family to yours. Um, but go get Aaron Rodgers some receivers, man. If you, you throw Allen Robinson into that receiving core, you're, you are going to have some serious things happen. Did I, did I just say Allen Robinson? Yeah. I just totally blanked for some reason. I thought I didn't. Yeah, say no, Alan you Robinson. said yeah, you said you okay. threw out. Yeah, you said. <laughs> I'm Alan going Robinson. crazy, Pat. I'm going crazy. But get Allen Robinson up to Green Bay, dude. Devontae Adams, man, and Valdez Scantling and Lazard, and you throw Robinson in. That is a legit one, two, three, three. Like you have a receiving core that will go win you games, man. And this team was already the one seed in the NFC. They're not many pieces away. You say Allen Robinson and JJ Watt. I say Packers Super Bowl. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they're gonna have to spend money to do it, right? Because if they want, if they want both Allen Robinson and JJ Watt, that's that's a big splash of cash. So I don't know, I don't know if that's the way they're gonna. I don't know if that's the direction the Packers are gonna move in, just because their offense thrives already. I mean, if they hold on to Aaron Jones, especially, because obviously they need the run game too mixed in yep. there. But their receiving core is so good. I don't know if they even want to add to it because I think Lazard and Scantling are gonna step up next year. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I think. The receiving core is fine. Holding on to Aaron Jones. If they were to add J.J. Watt, I think that would make more sense for them. I think that would be money well spent. For Allen Robinson, the two places I would see him going, like I said, if the Colts don't re-sign T.Y. Hilton, mm. Allen Robinson makes a lot of sense in Indy. And my team, the Ravens. I mean, if we if we don't get Chris Godwin, if we don't get a guy, I, I don't even know who, a guy like Marvin Will Fuller, Jones. Yeah, Marvin Jones was the one I was a big proponent of. Um, Will Fuller, I mean, we could go out and get a cheaper option in Will Fuller once his suspension is over. I mean, we'd have a rough time for the first, like, six games. But once we got Will Fuller in, that would be huge. Again, Will Fuller's probably not a number one, though. I would rather Allen Robinson or Chris Godwin. Those are, like, the ideal mm. the ideal picks. So, yeah, Allen Robinson, I think, would be a good fit in Baltimore, too. I could see him going to the Packers, but not, not really. And along with the Packers, too, Aaron Jones, I feel like he's going to end up leaving. You know, they did draft A.J. Dillon in the second round last year, and Dillon got hurt towards the end of the season, but he was pretty solid as a running back. And I see Aaron Jones as one of those running backs that just gets way overpaid again. Like, whether it is – I don't think Miami would way overpay, but Miami could use a solid, solid running back like this. I think that would be a really nice addition to what Brian Flores is building down there. And then also – I feel like the Lions are just primed to overpay Aaron Jones. In the division, really bad team, doesn't have a lot going on for it. Go sign a guy that can get 12 touchdowns on the ground, 14 touchdowns on the ground. I don't know. I kind of feel like an Aaron Jones, like, two-year, $20 million deal with the Lions. Like, I kind of just feel like Aaron Jones getting overpaid by a bad team. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Again, the Lions are probably going to have to replace Marvin Jones. So that do they look for another receiver? Because, I mean, all you're left with is Kenny Galladay, TJ Hawkinson. So, those are, I mean, those are good targets to throw to, but you need another receiver. I mean, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay worked perfectly together because you never know who was going to have the big game. Again, that's, you know, a fantasy player's worst nightmare. Like myself, I had Marvin Jones. I never knew when to play him. But for Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, that was a good duo. And the Lions are going to have to replace that. I mean, they have DeAndre Swift. I, I can't remember the life of me who their other running back is. DeAndre Swift was the prime one, though. So Aaron Jones, he, he does make sense there. But I don't see why, if you're Aaron Jones, you wouldn't re-sign with the Packers. I, I don't know how much they're going to be able to pay him. 
but that's your best chance for a ring at this point. I mean, not, not going to Miami, not going to the Lions, certainly not the Lions. I mean, they just got Jared Goff. I don't think the situation's going to get any better there because I think Stafford's probably better than Goff. But, oh, man, I, I, I think Aaron Jones just makes sense on the Packers still. I don't know. I agree. I guess, you know, Aaron Jones, open invite to come on the show anytime and talk about your free agency, but uh, we're not inside his head. So uh, we're, we're just making stuff up, playing matchmaker, but yeah, it would, it would be nice to know. Is it, is it money he wants? Is it a ring? I don't, you know, who knows? With Aaron yeah, Jones? I mean, he's getting paid decently over there again. Everyone's probably looking for their payday, but right. if you're trying to win a ring, which I think every player does at some point, that's probably your best place for now. I certainly don't think it's going to the lions. So I guess it's just a matter of preferences. And, and then um, if we're talking, uh, oh, no, go ahead. I was just, we were probably going for the same transition there, Pat, but I was just going to say, if you're looking at a running back that did go get his ring and now, you know, can move on if he wants to, I look at Leonard Fournette and think this guy's probably up for a payday. Jacksonville took this guy like number four in the draft in like 2017. This guy is a, an elite young running back when he wants to be. And when he stays healthy, you win a ring with the Bucks. You have your one-year deal. You have an immense amount of fun. You love Gronk. You love Brady. You're posting videos. You know, that video Fournette saying, man, this this Brady, I'm going to, you know, I have to bleep myself. I can't say what he's saying. He's half a century and doing what he's doing, <laughs> winning rings, man. Fournette's loving in Tampa. I see him going back. I see him staying low money and staying in Tampa. And, of course, we know nothing about what Leonard Fournette's – Leonard Fournette's intentions are I'm creating words, man. But uh, again, this is another guy. I would not be surprised to see him behind the Lions offensive line, making way more money than he should. I just really wouldn't, but I see him going back to the bucks. If not overpaid Lions running back again. Yeah. That's a guy I, I could see going to Detroit, but again, it's like we saw the true value of Leonard throw the yeah. latter half of the season and then in the playoffs and what a big factor he was. I, I just don't think you get it done with Ronald Jones. I think you get it done with Leonard and Ronald Jones, but not just Ronald. I think they could get it done with just Leonard and then like some, you know, measly backup, just some, someone to have like a receiving back or something for Brady to throw to. Cause we know he loves that. James White Leonard, or Leonard could, yeah, or James, yeah, James White. <laughs> Leonard could get better at a, as a receiving back, but that's just not his forte. I mean, he's a power back through and through the guy's built beefier than Mark Ingram. He's like a bowling ball. It's crazy. A beefy bowling ball at that. But <laughs> Leonard, yeah, I would see him re-signing with the Bucks, or like you said, going to the Lions. I, I don't know where else I see him. I mean, maybe staying in Florida, maybe go over to Miami. Again, I don't think Miami's going to look to sign him, though. I, I, I could see Leonard not going for the payday. But again, if he did, Lions makes a lot of sense, like you said. And someone that really wants a payday, Pat, our last uh, free agent we're going to talk about this week is Dak Prescott, man. This Dak saga has just oh, been Dak. so painful for the past two years. Like, this dude is wanting 40-something million a year, and then he's turning down 35 for five because he wants four years. And then he goes and gets hurt, and he's out for the season. So where does his value look now? They can't franchise tag him again because it would cost them $50 million. I feel bad for Dak, but this guy is not going to get the big contract anymore. Dak, you didn't play last season. You can't get $40 million a year. If Dallas doesn't pay him, which they would be foolish not to, because if you don't, then you are starting from ground zero again with quarterbacks. They're going to go sign some 28-year-old rookie like Brandon Whedon again and make me mad 
but I was literally just <laughs> thinking Brandon Whedon. I don't know why. That's so funny. And Pat, that was the name in my head. And that's the first time either you or I have thought about Brandon Whedon in three years. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it says. <laughs> not, not good for Cowboys fans, but that's the first thing we correlate in our heads. That's what, that's what I'm <laughs> uh, saying. The, the Cowboys so, don't pay Dak. It's like, go out <laughs> Brandon Whedon. <laughs> 28 year old rookie but uh yeah man if Dak isn't their quarterback then you have to get value for him so trade him and you would have to get a massive contract back so it's hard to trade him if I'm Jerry Jones I do think about offering a Dak sign and trade with multiple picks for Deshaun Watson where else in the league are you going to get a guy that's I don't know how old Dak is off the top of my head I'm just going to guess and say 26 and a half maybe 27 um, good ballpark number yeah and you are not getting a guy that age who has the arm talent that Dak Prescott does for Deshaun Watson there isn't another team in the league trading anyone like that so if it is Dak Prescott in two first round picks or a first a second and a third I think that's worth it for Deshaun Watson who knows if the Texans would take that back they seem like they're standing pat on Deshaun but Dak if he's not in Dallas I see him in Houston. That's the only other team in the league that makes sense for me, money-wise, trade-wise. And you get to stay in your state, but you switch conferences. You don't even have to play the Cowboys. Dak's 27. I just looked it up also. So, good guess. Closest yeah. without going over. No. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. You don't want to break <laughs> over. That's the rules of blackjack, right? So, yeah, poor Dak, man. I feel so bad for him. He, he took a gamble. He bet on himself last season. And then he just gets horribly injured. It was sad to see. I felt so bad for him. I really hope the Cowboys decide to pay him. I don't know. They feel like it feels like they're just so stingy to me. I mean, they're one of the biggest teams in the NFL, but they feel it feels so stingy to me. And like you said, who are they going to go sign? Who are they going to draft a QB? Because they're not going to have a good draft selection spot, not good enough to get a great quarterback. I just don't think unless they got great scouts. I, I don't see it happening. I, they got to pay Dak or Dak needs to get paid somewhere else. I think another team would be willing to pay him. I mean, you look at the QB shortage in the league right now and who, I mean, teams are struggling to field quarterbacks right now. Besides like the young ones that are popping up, Jalen Hurts, Tua. But it's just, it, it sucks for Dak. I don't know. I, I don't see the Cowboys paying him, unfortunately. But again, I just don't even know where we go from there. I don't know where the Cowboys go. I don't know where Dak goes. Maybe New Houston, England. like you said. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, he would he would weirdly make a lot of sense in New England. But I tell you what, Bill is not going to pay him the money he wants. There's no way. It would be the same debacle of a New England. It's like Dak wants a big payday. Bill is certainly more stingy, I think, than the Cowboys. He just He's not <laughs> built that way. I, they had Brady, but, like, they're not going to go – they don't spend a lot of money, really. It's it's weird. They, they're very frugal in how they run the franchise, but, like, it worked for so long. <laughs> I don't know. I just – I don't see it working out in New England either. I know you'd like that, though, as would, I think, every Patriots fan at this point because I, I don't know what's going to happen. They're not going to re-sign Cam Newton. I can't imagine they would. But they're going to have to figure out quarterback sooner or later. It's, it's the offseason, and – the, I tell you what, the preseason approaches fastly, so they're going to have to figure something out. I could I could sit here and do a two-hour episode just about the Patriots quarterback problems, but, um, you know, we got to digress. And quickly, Pat, you know, we've done a lot of NFL. One more quick topic to touch on. Speaking of Cam Newton, 
is Cam, man, at that camp, and how's that camper yelling at him? You're trash, man. You're a free agent. You're going to be broke. And Cam's yelling, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. And he's saying, where's your daddy at? Because I don't want to talk to a kid. Where, where's your dad? You, you know, you, he didn't teach you any manners. This, it was just a weird interaction. I, I felt for Cam. You were at Cam Newton's camp, and you're going to insult him? And yeah. have your boys recording so that you can try to get some clickbait and some clicks when you post it to Twitter later, man. It was really corny. I didn't like any of it. And I liked that Cam said, hey, talk, listen to me, stop, slow down. Let's talk. I want to have a conversation because the kid was just being mad disrespectful. This guy's an NFL MVP, a Heisman Trophy winner, and has been to where you want to be. And Man, it was uh, – who was it? It was Emmanuel Acho on uh, Fox Sports, and he said, you know what happens when someone who's more successful calls me and gets in contact with me? I shut up and I listen. He said, Oprah Winfrey called me about my book. So you know what I did? I put on speaker and I grabbed a pen and paper and didn't say a single word because I'm talking to Oprah. This kid's like 16 talking to Cam Newton. Shut up and learn, man. Yeah. That dude's forgotten more football than you're ever going to know, dude. I was – I didn't like it at all. I thought Cam handled it decently, all things considered. And I kind of feel bad for Cam, man. He's had a tough run of it lately. Oh, I do too. I mean, that was a cornball move if I've ever seen one. The kid's probably like the 10th best player on his, you know, junior varsity high school team. It's like yes. he's at Cam Newton's – you're signed up for Cam Newton's camp for teens to learn. And, you know, you're taking advice. You're learning how to play the game. And instead you show up there and you talk shit to Cam Newton, who's literally, like you said, one of the – I mean, he was a Super Bowl MVP. He's not one of the – I was about to say great – one of the greatest QBs of all time. That's just – an overstatement but he, he is a great quarterback I think in all all sense of the word I mean he made it to the show he was a star at uh, Auburn he's a star at the Panthers and regardless of where his career rent uh went and how things have looked as of late I do feel bad for him but again that is a legend of the sport and I just don't understand why you would go there and I don't know. I don't know why you would talk to Cam like that. Again, his parents probably found out and were not happy about it. <laughs> but then again, you wonder, you know, who the parents are because why would their kid be doing this? It's like hopefully, hopefully it's not a reflection of the parenting. Hopefully it's just. I mean, kids act out. It's just a thing they do, especially now in the day of social media. It's like anything you can do to get on social media. I mean, that's probably going to be a freaking TikTok. It's probably going to be a, a tweet. It's going to be a post on Instagram. It's going to be anything you want. It's just like you said. I mean, they were. He was looking for clout. I'm sure he had his buddies recording him. I mean, you're you're not gonna have. I'm sure you're not gonna have your buddies whip out a phone and record you unless you're looking to post it online. Mm -hmm. And they could have done that on their own accord. But I'm sure I have a feeling that he wanted them to. And like you said, yeah, Cam. I think Cam handled it well. Obviously, you're gonna get upset. You have some random no name kid talking smack to you you're in a rough spot you just came off a down season you're a free agent you don't know where you're gonna end up so I do feel for Cam it was just yeah it was a it was a cornball move but uh I think I think it was good publicity for Cam because I think at the end of the day he handled it well and I think everyone felt for him and they saw how well he handled it it would have been another thing if you like you know the headline would have been like Cam Newton screams at teen camper like talking smack but yeah, the fact that he handled it so well, I think it uh, ended up as good as possible for him. And my, my last thing, dude, too, is I sit there and I think about how much money either this kid, this kid's parents, or this kid's football program 
spent to send him to this camp where an NFL MVP and Heisman Trophy winner is helping, man. Those are not inexpensive. I guarantee there were hundreds of dollars to have that kid there that day spent. So it's man, I just don't get it. This, this social media age, I'm over here talking like, man, these young kids, I'm 22 years old and I'm pissed off about this. Like this, (laughs) this this is ridiculous. These these kids these days got no respect. Yeah. Get off my lawn. (laughs) Jeez, dude. Like I, I I feel like an old man, Pat, but I got to tell you, I was disappointed in that kid. My dad this morning, he said, you know, it sounds like that kid's parents wrote his apology that he tweeted out after because it was a well-written, very nice, I'm sorry, this is a bad reflection, apologize to Cam, apologize to my program. And it's like, man, no one believes you. But also, hard to hate on a kid. Like the kids, I don't even know how old he is. Maybe he was 15, maybe he was 17. So you kind of got to give him a pass because he's so young. And you hope that he learns from this experience and understands that a couple clicks isn't what it's about, man. Yeah, kids act out, and it's just a thing that happens. Social media age, you want to look good in front of your buddies. They probably thought it was funny at the time. But when that kid, you know, if he gets to the level of trying to make it to the show, I think some – I saw a tweet from an NFL player saying, like, you know, be careful of what doors you close because you never know when, you know, if you get to that point, how that's going to reflect when you actually get there. So, uh, you know, if he does make it to, like, the NFL draft, this could be something that people look back on. And they're like, oh, is this kid a problem? You know, is he going to be a problem in the locker room? It just mm. – I mean, that might be an overstatement, and I'm probably looking too far ahead, but it's just something to think about, I think, for that kid. I don't want you at my college football program. I don't want you <laughs> – like, There's plenty I, of other kids trying to make it. It's like, <laughs> you know, freaking 3% of the population that plays football is going to even go D1, and then from that, it's like one other 1% goes pro. So – your odds are already slim. I and mean, we heard Marcus talk about it a few weeks back. So it's like, you think, yeah, you think Marcus would uh, not be happy with that at Marcus's camp if he had some kid doing that? Yeah, you think of Marcus is saying, why not you? Well, we know why with this kid. <laughs> we know why, we know we know why. why not you, buddy. <laughs> we know why not. <laughs> Pat, always fun talking football. Time to move on to a little ball. Don't lie. Got to get a little NBA, a little college basketball in real quick. You know, some of the some of the big storylines over the past few weeks. Of course, for us as Celtics fans, the Celts haven't been playing well. Still waiting on a big Danny Ainge trade. The Nets have been playing out of their minds, and Kevin Durant hasn't even been on the court. And there's been a couple trades in weird situations in the league that I want to talk about real quick. So the first would just be, Derek Rose getting traded to the Knicks for Dennis Smith Jr. in a second-round pick now. Dennis Smith Jr., as a backup, backup, backup on the Knicks, said, hey, Tom Thibodeau, can I please go play in the G League? Can I please go to the G League so I can get some playing time? And he got sent to the G League, Pat. He got sent to the Detroit Pistons, one of the worst teams in basketball. But now Dennis is actually getting a chance to play a little bit, which we're excited about, you know. As a Duke fan, I watched Dennis Smith a decent amount in college when he was at NC State, and I was like, wow, this guy's going to be a great pro, really electric, you know, can float in the air off his jumps. Hasn't really figured out in the league yet. I thought Tom Thibodeau would have been a great coach for him. I guess not. I hope this kid gets a chance in Detroit. I really do because he really hasn't gotten a fair shake in the NBA yet. He's been on, it seems like, three or four different teams now, and he's so young. So I'd like to see him get some playing time on a bad team, you know, him and Killian Hayes, maybe those are the guards for the future there. Svi Mikhailu and some of those other guys. So I hope that something can happen for Dennis Smith in Detroit. I really do. You know, he hasn't gotten 
a big chance yet. Anywhere he's gone, he hasn't really gotten to play. So I'm looking forward to seeing him actually get some playing time for what feels like the first time in his career. We saw his potential when he played on the Mavericks for a couple of seasons. I mean, he was getting, I think it was like 24, 25 minutes a game. He averaged over the, uh, those couple of seasons, just about, but he was averaging like 14 points, like five assists and like a few rebounds, like four rebounds. I mean, that's for those minutes. I mean, those are good stats, especially for a guy who's in his first couple of years of the NBA. And that's a guy who can add value to a team. And I guess Thibodeau didn't see that value. He didn't really get much playing time. Maybe there were just discrepancies in the locker room. Who knows? You never know what's going on inside the locker room in this league. It's crazy. But I think you're right. I think he's going to get a lot of playing time on the Pistons. I think the trade made a lot of sense for him. And for Derrick Rose to go play with Tom Thibodeau again. For Derrick Rose to go to the Knicks and for Dennis Smith to go to the Pistons. Dennis Smith will get a lot of playing time. I think we're going to see that same same output that we saw when he played on the Mavericks back in the day. I think he'll start out at that. And if he plays well and gets more and more minutes, we could see, you know, a a bona fide starter in the league. And if he ever moved on from the Pistons, I think he'll play well enough that he could get another starting spot somewhere else. So it is a great opportunity for him. And honestly, I feel good for Derrick Rose to go to the Knicks, play with his old coach again. But I also just feel terrible for him. I mean, this guy bounces around from team to team. Mm. Ever since his injury, I mean, he came back, it just hasn't been the same. He was on, what, the Timberwolves, and then he was on the Cavaliers at one point. Am I correct? Yep, and the Pistons. Yeah, he was on the Pistons, and now the Knicks. Teams. Yeah, now the Knicks. And then, like, the Knicks, you know, we said they started out good through, like, the first 10 games. But now the Knicks are – nowhere in the east they're not playing well and it's a good pickup for them I think I think so I think he'll be a good addition to the team but he's just playing on these terrible teams and what feels like Derek Rose feels like to me he's been around for like 20 years in this this (laughs) league I mean he was the youngest MVP in league history but since that injury I mean it feels like he's been playing for 20 years he's only 32 but he literally feels 40 years old to me and he doesn't play like it, though. That's the weird thing. He doesn't play like he's 40. I mean, he still adds a lot of value to any team he goes to. I think it was a good pickup for the Knicks. But, yeah, Derrick Rose feels like 40 to me. He feels like a legend of the game at this point. It is unfortunate because this guy really did peak at 22. Like you said, youngest MVP ever. And, I like, peaking at 22 sounds like an insult. But it's not because it was all injuries. You know, this guy's legs were just destroyed, his knees, man. And he just never had a chance to stay healthy. And yeah, Tibbs is his guy. He played forever under Tibbs in Chicago. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully he can get something going there. I like the idea of him being a vet on a decently young team. You know, obviously he's fit better than Dennis Smith has in that system. So hopefully Rose gets a chance to play and prove himself. And I would have loved him as a bench scorer in Boston. But, hey, he wanted to be in New York. He really enjoyed his time in New York when he played there. So he's happy to be there. And, uh, yeah, good luck to Derrick Rose. It is funny to trade a 32-year-old and a pick. I mean, sorry, the other way around. A, like, 24-year-old and a pick for a 32-year-old. But, hey, if that's what Tibbs wanted to do, if, uh, you know, if the cost of getting Dennis Smith out of town was that great, I guess it's what you had to do. Yeah, it's like they, <laughs> they should have gave him the playing time in New York. I mean, he could – I feel like he could have been a real role player there. He could have been a good asset for the team. But, I mean, what's done is done, and we'll see what happens with Dennis Smith when he goes to the Pistons, and we'll see if Derrick Rose can get – so he'll add some sort of value to the Knicks. We'll see what, uh, if Tom Thibodeau's move pays off. 
Yeah. Hey, and Tibbs, we trust, you know, uh, on the Celtics bench for that uh, Doc Rivers 2008 championship. So I do like Tibbs, but another guy that I kind of just feel bad for right now is Andre Drummond, Pat. The Cavs have said, we are going to sit Andre Drummond until we find a trade partner. And it's because they got Jarrett Allen in that uh, Harden to the Nets trade. You know, one of the moves was Jarrett Allen to the Nets. And Jared Allen's awesome, and I get why they want him to be the starter. And I understand them trying to pair Sexton, Garland, and Jared Allen. I think it could be a really fun, good, young team. Plays very hard. But I'd be feel bad for Drummond, man. This guy's value was already minimal. This guy got to Cleveland for a couple bad players and two second-round picks. This is a guy that averages 15 and 15. This is one of the best rebounders in NBA history. And he hasn't gotten a fair shake. And it's because the league is in a different spot. But you hear Draymond Green go on that absolute rant about how unfair it is that Drummond's sitting and how he's getting disrespected and all this stuff. My guess is this was a mutual decision. My guess was the Cavs and Kobe Altman said, hey, Drummond, we want to trade you. You're not part of the future plans. We understand that you are going to be a free agent. Let's work something out. So... They said, let's trade him. And if he doesn't get traded, he's going to get bought out. So it'll be really interesting to see where Drummond ends up. I have not been a Drummond to the Celtics proponent for years because he just doesn't fit our play style. But the Celtics are desperate. Would not hate it. I I wouldn't want to trade for a guy with one year left normally. But the Celtics really need the big help. They really need um, a better presence inside because – Tice has turned into a power forward. Robert Williams is 6'8", and Thompson's 6'9". We just don't have the size. But Drummond can really positively affect a team wherever he ends up. And I just pray and I hope that he doesn't get bought out, that he gets traded to a contender. Because if this dude ends up on the Brooklyn Nets after being bought out on a vet min, I will throw up everywhere, Pat. I don't even care, man. Like, if this dude is on the Nets, wrap it up. Like the Nets maybe have already won the East, but if this dude ends up on the Nets or the Lakers or the Clippers, wrap it up, man, because whoever gets this guy, that that boosts them right to the top of the list. Drummond yeah. is that good. Yeah, Drummond's going to significantly improve whichever team he ends up with. Like you said with the Celtics, I mean, regardless of the one year, I think if he ended up in Boston, I think he probably just wants a place he can call a home at this point mm-hmm. in a place that he knows can be successful and play successful basketball. And the, the Celtics are that. I mean, we haven't shown it of late, but for the seasons to come, we have a bright future. And I think Andre Drummond would be a great addition. I think regardless of him not fitting into the play style uh, quite perfectly, I think we'd find a way to make him gel. And I think he'd be willing to compromise a few things and play to our play style. And we need, uh, we need a rim defender. We need a good rebounder. I think he would be a great addition. Like you said, if he goes to the Nets, I mean, the Nets have already pretty much, they haven't wrapped up the East, but I mean, look at the way they're playing. They haven't, they haven't even had Kevin Durant for the last however many games and they've been running it with just Harden and Kyrie. Yeah. And they've won every game. So for Drummond to go there on like a vet minimum, it would just be insane. I mean, he'd be replacing DeAndre Jordan. You go from DeAndre Jordan to Andre Drummond, who is a star coming into the league. He's been a multiple-time all-star. So just to add him for basically a bag of peanuts, it's like, I, <laughs> I don't know. I It would just be insane. Same with the Clippers. If he ended up on the Clippers, it, I just – I hope I don't see it. I would love for him to go to the Celtics. I hope I don't see him go to the Nets, but honestly, for Drummond, I just want him to go somewhere. He's going to be happy. He, he deserves somewhere that's successful. 
he deserves to get paid a little bit of money too. He he's a good guy. He's a great player. He's a star, and uh, I I just hope he ends up somewhere that they're gonna pay him and they're gonna give him good playing time, and it's not gonna be you know this criminal act that he's just being benched until they trade him, just rotting away. He's in his prime years too, and he's rotting away on the bench in Cleveland. And Cleveland's like, I, I, the last 10 games are like one and nine or something. It's like, they're going nowhere. It's like, why don't you just play him just to keep your record alive? But maybe they're tanking for a good draft pick. I, I could see that being a possibility. Right. Yeah. And if you're in uh, player management or basketball management, you're saying, well, now we're resting him and he's getting healthier and he's going to be fresh on a new team. But if you're a player, you're like, I want to play. I'm in basketball purgatory. I'm not allowed to do my job. Dude's literally just being told sit and watch. Like that's, that's hard, man. That's hard. And one, one team that I've been thinking about um, with Drummond is the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks need a boost. They are not in playoff contention right now and I don't know what they have to trade I don't know how the trade would work out I'm just making this up right now but if you put Drummond in the middle and you give Luca and Kristaps Porzingis that big physical presence in the middle of the paint a guy that's gonna rebound like crazy so that Kristaps doesn't have to live in the paint so that you know when Luca takes a hard hit you have that 6'11 260 pound equalizer you know there to protect your guys I'd love to see him in Dallas I think it'd be a really fun fit I think it'd be a really fun fit for Andre Drummond. Yeah, Mark Cuban, go splash that cash, get your man. <laughs> we know you got that money. We you got that Shark Tank money, so I think you could do it. I think yeah, that does make a lot of sense, Chandler, for sure. That's a that's a nice three. That's a solid core right there to have. You had a couple of role players in there. That's a that's a contender right there. It's in a tough Western Conference. Shark Tank, fun fact. Um, when it's the traditional panel of judges, uh, judges of uh, sharks. Mark Cuban is worth more than the other four combined most of the time that he's sitting there, which, which when you think about who he's sitting with is, is pretty crazy. Yeah, so it's... go spend that cash, Mark, go spend that cash. <laughs> uh, so Pat to the nets, we talked about the nets a little bit, you know, in this buyout market, they've recently added Andre Roberson and Noah Von Lake, two solid pickups, not guys that are going to change the complexion of your team. I sent a text saying, Oh, Roberson, nice pickup to a couple of my friends. And, my friend Brett says, wow, now they're going to go from allowing 125 points a game to 120. You know what I mean? So these, these aren't game-changing substitutions, but to have decent vet rotation guys that can play when Kevin Durant's not playing, who's now missed five or six games, and when Harden's not playing in these guys. But, man, the fact that they just went and beat the Lakers, I know AD didn't play, and that they just went and beat the, uh, the Clippers, which – the end of that game was ridiculous. That was not an offensive foul on Kawhi Leonard. And Ty Lue, I know Paul George is on a minute restriction, but this dude's got 30-plus. You've already played him two minutes past his minute restriction, and you bench him for the last four minutes of a tight game? Are you kidding? This dude was your leading scorer. It was a bad call by T. Lue. I don't want to hear the doctors this, the doctors that, man. It was a bad call. But the Nets are tearing through everybody, and they're doing it without Kevin Durant. The fact that James Harden is leading the league in assists has already set like the top three or four assist games in Nets franchise history, which we talked about. The fact that Jason Kidd is one of your best players all time and Harden's demolishing those records is nuts. You know, Harden's finally a point guard, finally playing his natural position. What do you think a six man is? A six man, they're all labeled as shooting guards. They are point guards. 
Jamal Crawford needs the ball in his hand. Lou Williams needs the ball in his hand. James Harden needs the ball in his hands. These guys are point guards. That's what they do. That's what he was for Oklahoma City. That's what he was for Houston. They're finally letting him play point. Kyrie Irving has been a shooting guard his whole life. The guy is dazzling with the ball in his hand. But this guy plays off ball. When has he played his best basketball? Playing next to the greatest point guard ever, LeBron James. You know, This guy is the greatest floor general ever. That's when Kyrie played his best ball. That's when Kyrie's dropping 50 burgers and hitting game winners. So the fact that these guys are in their natural positions, playing basketball the way they've always wanted to play basketball, the Nets are clicking, man, and it is scary for the league. I think this team is going to run through the East because, you know, the second or third or maybe the best player in the world is Kevin Durant, and he's not even playing. I think this team's running through the East, man. And I, I you know, immediately was kind of like, oh, they can't play defense. They don't have enough depth. They're building that depth. They're going to get more depth through the buyout market and through trades. And, man, I know that they can't guard anyone. But it doesn't matter if you can't guard anyone if you put up 150 points. It doesn't matter if you're letting up 118 points a game if you're averaging 130 points a game. So find me the team that can outscore these guys, and we'll, we'll talk. But with no AD right now in Los Angeles, I, dude, I'm taking the nets, man. This team is scary looking. <laughs> if there, Yeah, if there's one downfall to the nets, I mean, it's going to be their defense, right? But mm. like you said, it does it even matter at this point? It might <laughs> matter come playoff time, but you have Kyrie and Harden, and they're dropping the amount of points they're dropping without KD playing. It's, it's ridiculous. And like you said, I mean, Harden, he might erase the stigma that he's a ball hog. I mean, for everything we saw in Houston, it's almost like he had to be in Houston just because he was – he had that pressure on him but I think now with you have Kyrie you have KD it almost takes that pressure off of him and he can be an assist man obviously Harden's going to get his bag he's going to score a ton of points throughout you know that maybe not as consistently as before just because there's other scoring opportunities for the other two but game in and game out I mean we're going to see him get six assists, eight assists, 10 assists. We're going to see him have more of a a ball sharing mentality. And that's really what the Nets need to be as successful as they can be is they're going to have to share the ball. Nobody can be a ball hog. Kyrie, he's going to have to pass the ball. Can't be, you know, the the scoring point guard. Harden can't be the scoring point guard. They're going to have to learn to share. KD, he's going to do his thing. I mean, KD's always been a great uh, ball passer as well as a scorer. So I think the versatility of this team is just – unreal and I don't see any team in the east stopping them as of now like you said they just beat the Lakers regardless of not having AD well who's going to stop them I don't think the Bucks beat them in a seven game series the Celtics certainly don't I don't think the Sixers do Western Conference uh, Jazz are still up near the top I don't see the Jazz beating them in seven I think the only team realistically or the only two I would say are the Clippers or Lakers but again they've beaten I think both of those teams this season I don't know if they played the Clippers in the last week, um, they beat them both, yeah. Yeah, so they beat them both on the Western Conference trip. And, again, without KD as well. So when you add KD back into that lineup, I don't think it screws anything up. I think they all gel well together. And sharing the ball, the scoring ability that all three of them have. And, if God, if they add Andre Drummond, I mean, it's just going to be ridiculous. It's going to be one of the best teams of all time that we've seen put together. It already is. But if we add Andre Drummond in there, I mean, it's game over. You better wrap up the season now. It's, man, uh, man those, them, those Nets, man, they're bringing some love to Brooklyn. They're bringing some play to Brooklyn. And, uh, yeah, Harden, Harden uh, created kind of, a, I would say, a wave over there. It's 
it's going to be a trend of success for the years to come, I think, as long as they can keep that core together. It is scary, Ben, and they're all locked up. They're, they're all on some decently length deals. They're all making a heck of a lot of money right now. But, yeah, when Kevin Durant comes back, dude, oh, my goodness, I am scared. And, of course, Drummond's the big name, potentially, in the buyout market. I can't you know, give you any off the top of my head right now, but just sit and watch the Brooklyn Nets in the buyout market. Just wait to see what they do because any guy who gets bought out that says, I want to go win a ring, if you can fill a void on this team, and by fill a void, I mean sit in the corner and hit the occasional corner three and play defense once in a while, you have a really good chance to win a championship. This team's scary, man. It's going to be fun to see what they do. It really is. And Pat, last thing on basketball uh, before we move on is Jalen Johnson with Duke. Obviously, you know, I'm a big Duke fan, uh, as, as you know, if you're listening to the show. This, this, is, this is a weird situation. Jalen Johnson was the number six recruit going in this year. Fantastic freshman. Has had some really good games. Had a 26-15-7 and seven game for Duke. Kid's a baller. Misses a couple games. Comes back from injury. Is on the bench for the three, four games back. Opts out of the rest of the season. When there's only three games left, he opts out and says, I'm done with the year. I'm going to go focus on the draft. And in my opinion, this moves this kid from a 15 to 25 pick in the draft to a 35 to 45 pick in the draft. This kid costs himself millions by doing this. You don't stick out three more games. Now, look, as a Duke fan, I'm going to be petty, right? I'm going to be angry at this guy. I'm going to say, you don't want to play for my team. You don't want to play for Coach K, the GOAT. You don't want to play with these top recruits. This kid made the best decision for himself. This kid said, I'm going to be in the NBA. I might not make the tournament with Duke. I need to go do what's best for me. I need to prep. This is the weirdest year of my life, man. I just moved to Durham, North Carolina to play at Duke. I left my family. I got COVID going on. This kid's 18. It's a weird year for this kid, man. He's got a lot going on. They say there's been problems with him in or his camp in Duke's uh Duke's you know coaching staff and team don't talk about this kid's camp this kid doesn't have a camp he has a family he doesn't have an agent yet all he has is a family representing him man he doesn't have a camp so all these tweets talking about how this kid's doing horrible things I'm like yes he had some problems in high school this kid opted out of the McDonald's All-American game this kid went to three different high schools including IMG one of the best academies there is so you think okay is he the problem Duke is 5-0 and without this kid. Jim Beheim for Syracuse says, watch, they're better without him. They're good. Coach K wouldn't comment on it. Coach K and the rest of the players said, we support him. We love Jalen. Go do what you're doing. So I'm going to rock with what Coach K is saying. I'm going to rock with what the players for Duke are saying. Yo, we love Jalen. That's our guy. We support what he has to do for himself. But now we're focused on the rest of our season. And I'll tell you, they have been winning a lot of games since. They've been doing really well. They're on a little win streak and got a chance at the tournament. So this is a weird situation. But again, like we talked about with that kid with Cam Newton, stop hating on kids so young. This kid's 18. He has to make some really hard life decisions that thousands of angry Twitter fingers are going to get mad about and tweet at him about and be angry about. It's tough, man. He's a kid. He has to make some really, really important decisions that could potentially cost them millions. So let's cut him some slack. Let's understand that he's going through the craziest 12 months of his life. And I wish this kid all the best, man. He's still a dookie in my heart. So Jalen Johnson, we love you. I hope you have a great career, man. I hope that you end up on a decent team. 
I know a team in Boston that loves drafting Duke guys. So I uh, wouldn't mind seeing you up here in Boston with one of those second round picks, brother. I think it's something we might see more of too. I mean, the NCAA doesn't pay these guys. It's like, think about it. You're 18 years old. You don't want to risk injury. You know you're going to be a surefire pick in the draft, regardless of where you go. You're going to get a huge signing bonus. I mean, obviously, maybe not millions, as he probably slipped, like you said. But he's still going to get a huge payday. He's going to get a contract. You're 18 years old, and I think he'll probably be able to prove himself in the NBA. He'll get that contract. He'll make his money like he wants to. He's not making money now. He's just risking injury, playing for Duke. And he didn't think we were, they were going to make the tournament. So really, in his mind, I get it. Because what's he playing for? He's not getting paid. He might not make the tournament. He's in a, an environment where he's not enjoying himself and Duke, clearly, because he opted out. And I think it just makes too much sense for him. And I would, I would never hate on the guy because he wants to get his money. He wants to play and work on himself. He wants to work on himself for the draft. He wants to focus on the next step in his career, making it to the NBA, which we all know he'll make it. And, yeah, good, good on Jalen Johnson. I mean, I, I know as a Duke fan, you're going to be petty about it. You're not going to like to see it. <laughs> I know if it was a UNC guy, I would feel the same way. But I totally understand because 18 years old, you want to get the money. The dollar signs start flashing in front of your eyes, and you worry about injuries. I, I wouldn't want to see the guy. You know, what if he had stayed? He gets injured in the tournament or something, and then he's, it's just a, a huge compromise on his career. So he's really just thinking about himself. He's not thinking about Duke. And, yeah, I, I totally agree with Jalen Johnson's decision. Yeah, and it, it extra hurts because he's the best player on our team. But I will tell you the only reason people care about this is because it's Duke. That is the only reason this is a national story. Do you remember a couple of years ago when Ben Simmons was on a bad LSU team playing really nonchalant basketball, dropping 44, 10, and 10 easy, looking like he doesn't care? They didn't make the tournament. They were in the NIT. Ben Simmons said, bye, I'm not playing anymore. I'll see you later. I'm going to be a top pick in the draft. No one cared except for the day of. But now, mm -hmm. but now it's – it's you just everyone's so reactionary, especially in sports media. Everyone wants to freak out. This this was clickbait, man. People are saying, "Oh, he's opting out. Time to fire Coach K." Time. It's all clickbait, man. No one cares. No one actually cares about this. They care because it's Duke. They care because they get to trash on Coach K. They care because they get to trash on Duke. This kid made the right decision for himself. I I still love Jalen Johnson. I wish he didn't leave, but wish him all the best, man. And uh, and hopefully he can. Uh, find his way in the NBA because he was our best player fantastic guy and you know I hope that I hope that you know this story goes away I feel like it kind of has because we beat Virginia the number seven team in the country the second best team in the ACC and no one said a word about Jalen Johnson which was really nice I I even tweeted back at Duke saying you know incoming Jalen Johnson tweets just joking around there wasn't a single one in the comment section I was really happy about it I wish this kid all the best and uh hopefully he still gets drafted pretty high. <laughs> yeah, you start winning games and people forget pretty quickly. They they do. It, <laughs> they're only mad when they think it's going to screw their team over. And then they're like, oh, we're kind of all right. And, uh, yeah, they're fine with it. Sports fans, we're kind of like goldfish, man. We pretend that these things, like, just harm our mental health and well-being all day, every day. But then we wake up and we do it again the next day. And we watch the team and – we pretend to get sad about it again for a week. Like this stuff doesn't actually affect us. We're big fans. 
uh, you know, I get emotional about these things, but at the end of the day, we're going to have another sports conversation to talk about next week that we care about way more and we're passionate about and we're getting fired up and Stephen A yells for 20 minutes and then it's going to be something the next day and the next day. This is just what we do. Jalen Johnson, you know, you, uh, you had a little time in the limelight that wasn't so great, but it's gone. It's past. It's over until I post this clip on Instagram or Twitter. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then a week from now, nobody will be talking about Jalen Johnson. It'll be a thing of the past. So go Duke. So you guys already know from listening to the podcast, but if you read personal development books, you have to check out our most loyal sponsor, Book Thinkers. This is a company that is dedicated to helping you fulfill more every single day through books. So every day on their Instagram and every single week on a new podcast, this team over at Book Thinkers, they're helping you discover new books and new mentors that you can use to achieve more and live better. Remember, the right book can absolutely change your life if you read it at the right time. So head on over to Instagram, search Book Thinkers, or go over to bookthinkers.com, check out their website, their podcast, what the team over there is doing is fantastic. So we love our sponsor, Book Thinkers. Go check them out. Now we're going to get on to what we've learned, Pat. Pat, what did you learn this week in the world of sports? What I've learned for any of our UFC fans out there, if anyone watches, but uh, this weekend we had... The main event was a heavyweight uh, top contender top contender fight between Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. And if anyone pays attention to the heavyweight division, it, there's just this giant roadblock at the top. I mean, you have Steve Miocic, the champion, who's just been dominant for so many years. He had one loss to Daniel Cormier. That whole trilogy held up the division. And now that he won, it was probably the worst thing for the division. They're getting the rematch with Francis Ngannou. And now John Jones is moving up to heavyweight, which is just another roadblock because they already lined that up. John Jones, doesn't, he doesn't even have to get uh, a top contender fight. He doesn't have to fight anyone at the top. So they have Nganu in March with Stipe, and then it's going to be the winner of that with John Jones in the summer. And then you're probably looking at like a year from that point for the next title fight because with the heavyweights especially, it tends to be like one a year, one a year. I'm surprised that they're – I think they might be overstating – John Jones and the and the winner in the summer because the way the heavyweight uh, title's been going, it's like one a year, one a year. That's how the whole trilogy was. Literally, it's been like three years that the mm. Cormier and Steve Miocic trilogy lasted. So, with this weekend, Curtis Blades getting knocked out because if Curtis Blades won, then you re for that guy especially, it's like there's no one else left for him to fight. He lost to Ngannou twice. And then if he beat Derek Lewis, he's the bona fide number one. But then John Jones was going to cut him. There wouldn't have been a fight that made sense for Blades for like an entire year. So he would have just been sitting there waiting. And then since Derek Lewis knocked him out, I mean, it's good. Because now Blades can – there's no reason for Blades to look for a title shot. There's He won't have to stay inactive. He'll be able to stay active. He'll get a fight against another, you know, top five, top six contender. Derek Lewis said he wants Alistair Overeem. That's a good fight to make because Derek Lewis is not near the title either. So I think Lewis winning was the best thing to happen because it opens up a lot more doors while the roadblock at the top sits there. So the rest of the division can kind of work its way up. There can be fights that determine what's going to happen in 2022. But for 2021, the path is pretty clear. We'll have Stipe and Ganu in March, and then we'll have the winner of that fight against John Jones later in the year, whether it's summer or fall. So I think that, yeah, Blades getting knocked out by Derek Lewis was probably the best thing that could have happened for the heavyweight division, and that was what I learned. The thought of John Jones in heavyweight, like the the speed and agility that he's going to have as an advantage over anyone he fights is ridiculous. Like you said, 
absurd that he's going to get a title fight right away, but that's the matchmaker that is Dan and White, right? Yeah, it's, it's also just what you give the GOAT. I mean, he's the GOAT of the sport. It's just like he, he's earned it. I mean, he was the light heavyweight champ for however many years, despite, you know, getting his title stripped and all the controversy. But he was realistically the champion for years and years. So, he, I mean, he deserves it. And I knew the UFC was going to do him a favor there. He wasn't going to have to fight like a Curtis Blades because they weren't going to do that. You do a couple of legal drugs, a couple of legal this, a couple of legal elbows, and you know, you're still the goat, man. I'm with it. John Jones, why watching the CPAT? So I'm with it's it. It's been a lot worse than that. <laughs> I know, I know. But anyways, uh, what I learned this week, Pat, and it's not really something I've learned, but the NFL is just still on its usual BS, man. You know, it's it's a new fact that I learned about the NFL being a horrible organization. But Chris Gronkowski, you know, Rob Gronkowski's brother, one of the three Gronks there, he played in the NFL for a while as a fullback. And he's gotten really popular on social media, uh, on TikTok and Instagram, just responding and answering questions about the NFL and how big the playbooks are and what you have to learn at a mini camp and all this stuff. And someone asked him, I heard that you have to pay a tax on the Super Bowl ring when you win it. And he said, yes, the NFL actually requires you to pay a tax on the Super Bowl ring because it's often worth thirty to $40,000. And I'm just like, you have to pay a tax for winning in this league, dude. Like the NFL finds any single way to take money from the fans, from the owners, from the players, dude. And it is just – I just am so sick of the NFL as an organization – and I mean, every single uh, NFL post I put out, I put hashtag fire Goodell somewhere in that myriad of <laughs> hashtags because I can't stand the guy. But you tax these players for winning, man. I don't get it. The NFL is just on its usual BS. And that's what I learned this week, Pat. <laughs> and it's like the lower tier NFL guys on the roster that get the ring. It's like you're going to... The guys who aren't even making nearly as much as, you know, the top people, like let's say Brady, you have a guy who's like a second string lineman and he's got to pay taxes on what he just won, probably the bonus he just got and the ring. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The NFL, you know, I would say I've learned that as well. Fire Goodell, fire Goodell, fire Goodell. Anyways, Pat, uh, you know, I could go on for that for a while, but we're wrapping up the, we're wrapping up the episode. Episode nine, Pat, it was a lot of fun. We were a little bit off this week. We kept joking off camera. It's probably a good thing we didn't have a guest this week, Pat, because you and I were not on our A game. We hope that it was still a fun episode. Hope that it was worth listening to. And uh, we have so much fun doing this. We got a smile on our face the whole time talking sports and uh, getting to dive into these topics. So thank you for listening, guys. Thank you for every like, subscribe, uh, comment, share, save, all that stuff we always talk about. It helps us out. Um, we are growing rapidly, Pat. We have 200 followers on Instagram now. We're blowing up. We're basically famous. I think I think we have almost 40 on Twitter. I think we have almost 40 on TikTok. But we're getting there, man. We got the website coming. We got episodes coming out every week. And uh, we hope that we can bring another good interview next week and hopefully another great episode. You know what? It hit, it hit 40 on Twitter like five times. Then it went back to like 39 and then like up to 40 and then back to 39. So I want to know who's unfollowing. <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. If you're like unfollowing and then following to try to get us <laughs> to follow you back. We follow like a thousand people. So I don't, I'm sorry, but stop unfollowing on Twitter. But, uh, you know, maybe we get that. Help, help us, uh, help us build our brand. Stop unfollowing. 
I feel the same way on Instagram. I think we've hit 200 followers at least five times, but now we're at like 204. So I'm hoping that threshold is high enough to where we're not going to go back on there. there. (laughs) Can you tell how much your follow means to us, guys? We got nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're ranting about it. We're ranting about the the 40 followers on Twitter. But yeah, we appreciate you guys listening and uh, we'll we'll see you all next week. Peace.